earlier today, David and Terry and myself went over to the children's church, and they they only wanted me because I had a guitar. I really didn't have anything to say. But I was playing the role of David, and we were going to sing a song of praise as, as part of the skit. And I had told a couple people this week about it, and and I said, you know, I thought about coming out here and trying to play something. And we all need to laugh. So I th- thought, you know what, a good laugh is what we need. So I'm going to come out here and try some stuff. I am not good. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that now, okay? But just for the sake of having fun. Does anybody like Waylon Jennings? Anybody know Waylon? Okay. So I'm going to do Waylon, a little Waylon for you right quick, okay? Hey, y'all, I, I'm Waylon Jennings. I don't know if y'all know me or know a lot about me, but, but back in the day when I first got started, me and Johnny, y'all know Johnny, Johnny Cash, we used to room together. And it was hard because sometimes we couldn't even pay the bills. Matter of fact, I'd ask Johnny, Johnny, wh- why ain't we got the telephone on? He said, well, oh, I thought you gave me that money for something else. But Johnny was a good roommate. He could cook. He made the best biscuits anybody ever saw. Now, granted, by the time he got finished cooking, we had flour all over the place. The one I felt bad for was June, because she had to come over and clean up after him. So that's all the wailing I know. Um, I do know a couple of little things, not, not a whole lot. Uh, one of the things I picked up on was the blues. I think it kind of... Yeah. Y'all going to know this one. And please don't sing along with it because I will definitely mess it up if you do. I came out earlier and tried to practice it just with Linda here. And I thought about John because when I was uh, out with COVID and he was preaching, he sent me a text message one Sunday that said, we need to keep a sweat towel up here. And I was sweating just doing it in front of Linda. So I, I, I'm going to try. That's all I'm going to say. making me nervous.
There we go. Amazing Grace is one of those songs that's been handed down from generation to generation. And uh, I thought that in light of things, it was worth a try for today. Part of the thing with the guitar is that, like I've said in the past, I tried to learn how to play it after I first got COVID because we get what we call the uh, COVID brain. And so you lose a lot of hand-eye coordination, and it helps me to continue to exercise my mind, so to speak, and trying to keep things together. And uh, it was an answered prayer, really and truly, that got me a guitar because times were difficult. And But there was a, a desire in my heart to have a guitar for those purposes. And through a little prayer, God showed a way to be able to obtain it. Now, he didn't promise that I could play it. He just said that he would get one for me or help me find one. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is prayer and, you know, how we should pray and what we should pray for and maybe even what we should not pray for. Today's passage of Scripture comes from the book of Luke, chapter 11, verse 5 through 10. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose that you have a friend. And you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And then it goes on to, So I say to you, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who asks or the one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, we come before you today during this part of the worship service and, and ask, Father God, that you be with us to send your spirit into this house to move between person to person, to heart to heart, to mind to mind, to help us to hear and receive a word from you, Father God, that would be beneficial to our lives. Father, I ask that during this time you take from me the desire to speak my own word, to empty me, fill me with your spirit, that every word I speak would flow from your throne for the edification of your church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Growing up, um, there was a lot of, I guess, what we call the television preachers, the name it, claim it preachers, what we learned to call them. And every time that I would turn on a TV and I would see one of them, they were always making these big, bold promises on God's name if, if we would only do certain things, you know, things like if we would only send them, you know, X amount of money, then, then they would send us water in a bottle from the Holy Land, and, and that water would bless us. And one of the things that they told a generation of people was concerning prayer. You see, what they wanted to do was keep us involved and engaged and, 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 and 
power our hope that we would continue to watch their television shows so that their ratings would go up and so that they would make more money. And sometimes the worst thing that anybody would do would be give them some money. But one of the most damaging things that we would do is believe the words that they taught because they weren't teaching the true word of God for the purpose of edifying the church. They were teaching what they wanted to teach in order to support themselves. And one of the things that they, they told us, and, and it's not just a televangelist, it's just bad theology that's in different places throughout, is that, that if we as Christians were really and truly faithful and we wanted something, that, that all we had to do was pray for it. And if we prayed without doubting, then, then God would deliver eventually at some point in our life. That if I wanted that brand new car, that, that all I had to do is without doubting, was pray and 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 pray. And, pray and, pray and at some point, God would look down from heaven and say, okay, you suffered enough. I'm going to give you the car. That's how they presented it. But I'm here to tell you today that that is not how prayer works. And that is not what Jesus intended in this passage of Scripture. If we go back to the beginning of this chapter and look at the entire conversation that, that Jesus was having with his disciples, we'll find a different meaning to what Jesus was saying here. As a matter of fact, at the beginning of the chapter, the disciples had come to Jesus after they heard him praying. And they said to Jesus, said, will you teach us to pray in the same manner? And will you Teach us like John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. And Jesus said, yes, I will. This is the manner in which you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who has sinned against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You see, that was the example that, that Christ gave us in learning how to pray. And then at the end of that is when he went into the next statement where it says, and then suppose you have a friend. And I want you to, to look at that point right there. The disciples just asked him, teach us how to pray the appropriate way. Jesus gave a model of how we should pray and then jumped straight into and said, then suppose. He wasn't saying after the Lord's Prayer, now pray like this. He was giving an example of someone in life. He was giving the disciples the direction to use their imaginations in this stance, to form a, an image in their mind of what was happening. And in that image, he said to the disciples to consider this. You have a friend who is coming into town. It's late, and you want to feed them, but, but you go to your friend's house. And you knock on that door, and you beat on that door, and you pester the guy until he finally gets up and says, yes, I'm going to give you what you want. Now, some will tell you that that means that we go before God, and we keep telling God what we want over and over and over and over again until he gives it to us. But let me ask you this. If God, being a just and fair God, 
and you have a desire in your heart and you start praying for your desire to be fulfilled over and over and over and over and over again. And at the same time that you begin, I do the same thing for the desire of my heart. At what level does God say you have prayed enough that you can have yours, but Tommy hasn't prayed enough that he can have his? Does that sound like a just and fair God? It does not. And that's not what Jesus intended. Because if we go on down to and listen to what Jesus had to say about the person and the character thereof who was doing this, he said, refer to them with this as their character, with shameless audacity. He did. He says, I can't get up and give you anything. And Jesus said, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give he will give you bread because, or excuse me, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. In other words, what he's saying is the guy that's outside that's knocking and, and beating and is doing nothing but, but pestering him and bothering him and begging from him. And that is not the character of a Christian. That is not the character of a praying person. That is not what Jesus intended. What he intended for us to see here, however, is this. Is that when we start praying to God, that it's not something that we do at one moment in time, but like we said before, that it's a, a continual conversation that should start at the day that we receive Christ and shouldn't stop until the day of completion when we go home to be with the Lord. Jesus wants that prayer to be true and faithful. And he wants it to be consistent with our walk in life. Now, we can think of it like this. We have a young person who just was getting ready. I know, I know a guy from many, many years ago. He was getting ready to graduate high school. He had no idea what he wanted to do with his life. And he decided after receiving Christ as his Lord and Savior that God spoke to him and said, you know what, young man, I have in my plan for you to be a mechanic. And, but you know what? That young man was poor. And he didn't have the means of going to college. And he didn't have any mechanical training whatsoever in his life. But he knew what it was that God called him to. Now, initially, he started the prayer out just like many of us would be doing, just like what is here. God, make a way for me to go to college so that I can do what you call me to do. But instead, what God did was this. He began a work in that young man's life. He couldn't afford to buy a car of his own, so his dad went out and bought him a car. And it wasn't the greatest car in the world. As a matter of fact, it was an old joker. And every time that car broke down, that young boy was forced to learn how to fix it. He didn't have the opportunity of taking it to a mechanic, but he obtained a few books, and he went on the Internet to this thing called YouTube and used the resources available and learn how to work on his car. Now, a day came that 
the transmission went out on that car, and, and he didn't have the resources available. That car had to go to the shop, and God provided for that car to be repaired. But one of the mechanics there knew the young man and knew that he wanted to be a mechanic and knew that he was on his own accord working toward gaining those skills. So when it comes time for him to go pick the car up, the mechanic pulled the coil wire off so that the car wouldn't start. So the young man paid for the repairs, got in his car, went over, tried to, to start it up, and it wouldn't start. And he went and got the mechanic, and, and they, they came out, and they popped the hood, and he asked the young man, said, well, I'm not sure what's going on. It came in because of one problem. Now there's another. What, what do you think is wrong with it? And the young boy said, well, let me look over here. And he went, and he looked at the back side of the engine, and he saw that the coal wire had been removed. He plugged the car wire up, crunked the car, and the car ran perfect. What was happening was God was working in that young man's life to answer that prayer, that prayer that started when God called him to service, when God put a desire in his heart. Even though the resources weren't available, through constant, regular prayer, God worked in his life to fulfill the desire of his heart. He never made it to college, by the way. But that garage hired him. And when he got out of high school, they sent him to their, their own training, and he became an ASE certified mechanic, one of the best in the state today. So you see, when we talk about God answering prayers, it's not as, as simple as, as saying, God, I want this to happen, make it happen. It's about the conversation that we have with God in our lives as we walk and talk and experience everything that God has for us. Jesus told us to pray that in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. And that's truly what God does. And the other thing that, that Jesus tells us to do in the Lord's Prayer is this. He points out to us something very, very important that, that is hard for us to wrap our minds around sometimes. And it pertains to our relationship with God. That it's your will be done, not mine. You see, we die to Christ. We don't just give our life away. We receive the gift of salvation, and, and then when Christ becomes the Lord of our life, when we actually start walking and talking and seeking and knocking and looking for the righteousness of God, that's when God is able to work in our lives. It's when we take our life and, and set it aside and said, yes, Lord, just like the prophet Isaiah said. Yes, Lord, I'll go. Yes, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do, and I'll experience what you have me to experience. And I will know that I am never, ever alone. You see, God is not a genie to fulfill our every wish. He knows the opportunities 
that he has for us in our life. And the closer we walk to God, and the more we, we talk to God and listen to God, and give of our lives to God's will, the more we experience the abundant life that Christ promised. You see, Jesus went on to say this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. And when we look at that message and its true intent, what we have is this. Ask of the Father for forgiveness. Acknowledge His holiness and His deity and his divinity. And then after you receive the, the spirit that we call the Holy Ghost, as it comes to, to live in your heart and your lives, don't let the relationship in there. Seek out God's understanding of, of who he is and what he means to us and how much he loves us. Pick up our Bible and read. Read about the prophet Jeremiah or, or David in all of his journeys. Read about Peter and, and his calling. Read about Saul as he is transformed into a new creation and takes on the identity of Paul. And let God reveal himself to you through those stories and those words as the, as the Holy Spirit breathes new life into them, specifically for you individually. Seek it. And knock on that door. Enter into the presence of God. To stand in the presence of His holiness. And say, Father, not only have I received you and your gift, but I've sought you out. And I, I understand what it is that you spoke through your words to me as a person. And thank you for allowing me to enter into your throne room, to stand in the presence of your glory. And when I think about that, I think about the prophet Isaiah. Chapter 60, he had a vision of heaven and the throne of God. 
And in that vision, he, he saw angels flying around, and, and they were going from one side to the other side, and they were shouting out words like, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when Isaiah realized where he was at, to before whom he was standing, He said, Woe is me, for I am not worthy. And sometimes I think that that's how we feel as a people, that, that we don't feel like we're worthy to, to stand in the presence of a holy God. But let me tell you what one of those angels did. The angels took a, a, a coal that was burning and brought that coal over to Isaiah and touched his lips. He said, you are free from the guilt of sin. And that is what we as Christians celebrate. Because that is what allows us to stand in the presence of God. See, Christ didn't just go to the cross and die for no reason whatsoever. It wasn't just a, a symbolic thing that he did. It was a, a spiritual event that took place that changed the course of history, that changed the relationship between man and God. Just like that coal that, that touched the lips of Isaiah that made him whole, when Christ's blood shed from his body, we as a people were reconciled back to our God. And that means this, is that, that we as a people, that once we've received the gift of salvation from Christ Jesus, that our sins have been washed away as far as the east is from the west, that we as a people do not have to stand before our God in shame because the blood of Jesus covers our sins, that we can stand in the presence of his love and that's what allows us to go to God and ask of him in the name of the Son. To God is more than willing to give to his people. He is ready, willing, and able. If only we ask in the manner that's appropriate. If only we seek out God's will for our life and, and not our own desire. As we seek understanding of God and His nature and, and His reality and understanding in our lives. And as long as we don't give up, not in the pursuit of things or titles, but in the pursuit of God. So let me encourage you today to keep praying, to keep seeking, to keep knocking and to keep asking. Because the God who started a work in you some time ago is not finished.
and he desires to give you all the knowledge of himself and your life as you walk daily. So always remember that when the will of God is being performed of our lives, our daily bread will always be provided. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you today and we thank you for this opportunity that you have given us to to come before you. And Father, I know that sometimes it seems like prayer is just something that maybe we take for granted. That, that we know that, that we have the ability to come into your presence. But help us to look a little deeper at what it is, Father God, that, that we as a people should ask of you. Help us to, to look a little deeper, Father, at what it is that, that you give us through prayer. The revelation of, of who you are and, and what you to de- desire to do in our lives and the bountiful basket of bread, Father God, that you provide for us daily, both spiritual and material. Father, don't let our desires burn out, but help us to focus them on you and have understanding of how our desires work within your will so that we keep asking, so that we keep seeking, and so that we keep knocking, so that we as a people will encounter you fully. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.